You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. What is up, everybody? We are, what, 24 hours, a little over 24 hours away from the start of Sacramento Kings free agency. And I am less than 24 hours away from heading out on a probably poorly timed vacation. But you know, we got to get away when we got to get away. So instead of doing a, uh, or just make making you wait for a week, I figured, why not do a live show here heading out before free agency begins one last time? We can all come together to yell at each other, to yell about who we want, who we don't want, who Monty McNair should spend his new cap space on, why he's a fool for trading the 24th overall pick. Let's have some fun here. Free agency is one of those wild times. And look where we're at, everybody. Look at where we're at compared to a year ago where the Kings were heading into free agency and we were hoping that maybe Malik Monk could be a massive splash and the Kevin Herter trade would uh, end up working out. And, and here the Sacramento Kings are a year later and they're a, a playoff team with aspirations to become a championship contender. I mean, that's that's pretty rad. Now, you kind of have to climb the ladder one rung at a time, right? And some would say the Kings have already skipped a bunch of rungs from going from a 16-year playoff drought to the third seed in the West, but whatever, here they are, and now we want the Sacramento Kings to improve. And a lot of people believe that that improvement this offseason is going to have to come in free agency. If you had told me that without the context of everything that had been ha- uh, happening over the last year, I would have told you if we're relying on free agency for the Sacramento Kings to improve, we're in big trouble because Sacramento has never been known as a free agency destination and probably won't be until it is, if that makes sense. Basically, I won't believe that Sacramento can attract big-name free agents until they attract big-name free agents. Now, in reality, the Kings don't have to attract a big-name free agent this offseason. A middle-of-the-pack free agent might be exactly what this team needs, and in reality exactly what this team can afford. The Kings have a a fair amount of roster spots that they have to fill. They can't just go and spend all their money on one player and then be stuck with basically league minimum players and really cheap players to fill out the rest of the roster. So how is Monty McNair going to spend his roughly $34 million in cap space? We'll talk about that today. And this is a live show which means it's not just going to be me blabbing the entire time. I want to hear from you. Now, I haven't set up, I, I'm, I'm going to steal something from Deuce and Mo eventually where I set up a Discord or something so I can actually have you and your voices on the show. I'll get to that. I'm, I'm working on live shows. I'm a little behind the curve there. But I see you already loose in the chat. Prepare your questions. Prepare your thoughts. Prepare your takes. Prepare to call me dumb. Prepare to call me brilliant. Whatever you want to do, this is a space for us to just chat here before a free agency truly begins. And that's what I want this show to be. Not just, hey, here's a live podcast. Let's listen to Matt talk like we normally do and then uh, go on our merry way. I have no idea how long this is going to go. Might go an hour. Might go longer. Might go shorter. It just depends on the conversation. It depends on what you uh, you guys are, are bringing and, and questions that you have or thoughts that you have and scenarios that you have. Uh, so I will do my absolute best 
to include as many people uh, as possible in today's show uh, and to get involved. So I'm going to get to questions and scenarios in just a little bit. And also let me know if you guys like these live shows too, because I'm, again, this, I think this is the second ever live Locked on Kings podcast that I've ever done. And the first one, I had a lot of fun doing. This one will hopefully be just as fun. Uh, for those of you who are watching on the stream, next time I have a live stream, I have some cool, fun intro videos for you to watch from highlights and stuff that I shot over the course of this last season with the Kings. So that'll be coming uh, in the near future. But everybody, thank you so much for dropping by. Yeah, hit that like button. Thank you, James, aka Wacky Starfish 420. I appreciate everybody. Hit that like uh, like button, subscribe, share this with your friends, especially Golden State Warriors fans. Throw it at their faces. Just say, you know what? We haven't forgiven you. We haven't gotten over it yet. Even though some Warrior fans are starting to come around and think I'm actually a nice guy. I actually went to, I was at the Oakland A's um, uh, reverse boycott. I was covering it. If, if you don't know, I'm a diehard Ace fan. I'm a diehard uh, Raiders fan, although I hate my team. <laughs> um, and so I was there. I was covering the reverse boycott, but also wanted to be there to to, to support Ace fans. And a, an Ace fan came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder. And goes, "Are you the Kings guy?" I was like, uh, "I guess." And he goes, "Yeah, I didn't like you very much <laughs> during during the playoffs." but I respect what you do. I was like, all right, well, I guess that's a win because a lot of Golden State Warrior fans, at least on social media, had me marked as public enemy number one, which to me is a term of endearment. They they uh, went back in my Twitter history. Uh, they had my profile picture, which they Photoshopped into a clown, which I actually thought was quite funny. Uh, so I love it. I love Warrior fans. Not really. I hate y'all. Uh, and I hope the Sacramento Kings have an opportunity to knock you out of the playoffs next season. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. So let's talk about maybe a topic that a lot of Golden State Warrior fans and Sacramento Kings fans might agree on, which is that Harrison Barnes isn't the guy. Now, I think I'm significantly higher on Harrison Barnes than the majority of people. And this is where you can get into the comment section and go, Matt, you idiot. Matt, you fool. Whatever you want to say, I understand. I get that there's a desire for the Sacramento Kings to improve, right? I understand that. That doesn't mean that the Kings have to get rid of Harrison Barnes. And I think it's easy, and, and we see this not just with fans, we see this with franchises, right? You, like you have to blame somebody when someone doesn't go, when something doesn't go right or when something goes wrong, we have to blame somebody. A lot of times it's the head coach, right? That's the reason Monty Williams got fired for no reason. Mike Budenholzer got fired. Like guys that shouldn't be getting fired are getting fired because coaches are always the fall guys. It's easiest to blame one guy and get rid of one guy than it is to reshape the entire roster. I think Sacramento Kings fans, because we're sure as hell not going to blame Mike Brown. I think Kings fans have gravitated towards, let's blame Harrison Barnes for the Sacramento Kings losing that playoff series. I know Harrison didn't play well. I know he disappeared in game six and seven. Like he played a handful of minutes in game six and seven. Didn't do anything in game seven when the Kings were ultimately eliminated. I know. I get it. But Harrison Barnes wasn't the only problem in that playoff series. We don't need to rehash this too much because it's the past. We're looking towards the future. But there were a lot of things that went wrong in that playoff series for the Sacramento Kings, including the fact that the entire team forgot how to shoot other than Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray wasn't even good for three games, which you can expect from a rookie. Kevin Herter wasn't good, period. Malik Monk had good games in some games where he disappeared, but for the most part, he was solid. De'Aaron Fox broke his hand or finger or whatever it was. Demonis Sabonis had already broken his thumb and was playing terrible the entire series, getting completely outclassed by Looney. 
So just blame Harrison Barnes for the Kings losing that series, I think is short-sighted. Now I understand some Kings fans are going, I'm not putting all the blame on Barnes. I'm just saying I need to replace him, or I think the Kings should replace him. They have to make a decision this summer. Why not make the decision to move on and upgrade? I understand that completely. I think it's a lot easier said than done. My whole point on Harrison Barnes is this. If the Kings re-sign Harrison Barnes, which according to uh, James Hamm uh, of ESPN 1320 and, and the Kings beat, uh, the Kings and Harrison Barnes have resumed uh, contract talks. If the Kings go in that direction, if you're disappointed, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. But it's not a bad thing. Like there is truly not a scenario where Harrison Barnes coming back to the Sacramento Kings is a bad thing. Not at all. Now, it could lead to bad circumstances and, or it could lead to maybe the Kings having a disappointing season, but we can't put that all on Harrison Barnes. A lot of other factors have to, to come into play here. Monty McNair is expecting this team to improve mainly by the core of players that are already here, not by a piece that he adds to this group. That's the reality. So if the Kings bring Harrison Barnes back, it's not a bad thing. You might be disappointed. And if you are, I understand. But what I'm seeing too much from Sacramento Kings fandom and I've seen this multiple times from multiple different people on Twitter, is the Sacramento Kings cannot improve if Harrison Barnes is brought back. That's not even remotely true. The Sacramento Kings are going to improve because Keegan Murray is going to improve. De'Aaron Fox can still improve. Like, I'm looking for De'Aaron Fox to, now he's established himself as the clutch player, clutchest player in basketball, right? Clutch player of the year. Someone who, fourth quarter Fox, right? What about De'Aaron Fox consistently heading into the fourth quarter with 20 points? Can he get to the point where he's entering the fourth with 20 points so that he's scoring 30 plus a night or close? I'm not expecting De'Aaron to average 30 a night next season, but can he consistently get or bring 20 plus points into the fourth quarter and then fourth quarter Fox arrives? He can make that leap. Demonis Sabonis, of course, during the postseason could play a whole hell of a lot better and needs to not be afraid to take that elbow jumper. A lot of guys can improve. This core is expected to get better. Davion Mitchell should continue to improve. He's just entering his third season. Feels like he's been here for longer than that, right? So the Kings absolutely can improve if they bring Harrison Barnes back. I get uh, get what you're saying. G uh, Jesus Christ, my king, great name. Uh, he says, we can't go back with the same lineup, in my honest opinion. I understand that. Uh, if, you, if you feel like running it back is not the right thing to do, especially now that the Sacramento Kings have traded the 24th overall pick in Rashawn Holmes to open up cap space, if you feel that way, again, I don't blame you. I'm not telling you you're you're wrong necessarily. Your feelings are your feelings and you're justified in that. We want this Kings team to improve, especially based off of what we've seen the Phoenix Suns and other Western Conference teams too, right? I get that. The Kings have set a clear goal of wanting to open a championship window right now. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to, but this team is not going to be a fluke or they want to make sure they show that they're not a fluke and they want to build upon the momentum that they started for themselves last year. Get that completely. You think they need to upgrade their roster and not just run the same group back in order to do that. I understand. But this King, the improvement, the main improvement from this Kings team is going to come from the guys that we already 100% expect to be here. Those guys taking the next step. Not Harrison Barnes coming back or being replaced by Kyle Kuzma or Draymond Green or Kelly Oubre, which would be a disaster, or... Player X, Y, and Z, Sasha Vizenkov, like what, whatever. That's that's not where the massive improvement for this Kings team is going to come. It could help, but that's not where the diff. That's not going to be the difference between the Kings losing in the first round again. Which might I remind you, when the Sacramento Kings started their dynasty in the late '90s, early 2000s, or their mini dynasty that should have won a championship, 
the greatest time ever in, in Sacramento Kings basketball history. The first two seasons, they were first-round exits in the playoffs. So if the Kings are first-round exits again this year, it's disappointing, for sure. And context matters. How do they lose? Do they get lose because they're hurt? Do they lay an egg? Do they face a really good team and just get smacked? Like That context is, of course, important, but that doesn't mean if the Kings are eliminated from the playoffs that it's an absolute colossal failure for the Kings again this year. So Harrison Barnes coming back, in my opinion, is not a bad thing in the slightest at all. And if that's the route the Kings go, especially if it also comes with like, I've seen people react like if Demonis Sabonis gets the contract extension and raise that that people have been discussing and, and one of the rumors why the Kings opened up the cap space is to, is to do that. That's a phenomenal thing too. If they end up spending their money on bringing Harrison back giving DeMondis Sabonis that extension early and not even having to worry about unrestricted free agency next year, basically cementing the fact that there's no longer any risk to that Tyrese Halliburton trade. That's a tremendous win for Monty McNair and the Kings. If you can lock up an all NBA center, even if he had a bet, and I know recency bias is a thing and people are, are suddenly discrediting DeMondis Sabonis for how poorly he played in that Warriors series. Don't do that. Because Sabonis is a significantly better player than he showed in that in that series. He's going to continue to improve that. He's a really, really good player. If the Kings can secure him in a long-term deal by trading the 24th overall pick and opening up that money with getting rid of Rashawn Holmes, that's a win in itself. I think people would be disappointed because Sabonis isn't new. But that's a tremendous win for the Kings. So Harrison Barnes coming back. DeMontis Sabonis being re-signed. Let's say Trey Lyles comes back. Sasha Vizenkov comes over. Let's say those are the big splash moves that the Kings make with a handful of like little tiny, maybe two-way contract guys and a vet minimum here, minimum here, or like Keon Ellis comes back, whatever. Like if that's what the Kings do, if you're disappointed, I'm not telling you you're wrong. Maybe you wanted a bigger splash, but that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. I see some, uh, someone uh, saying uh, something battle R4P. I think I said that right. Um, Barnes should take less so the Kings can sign another player too. Eh, like the Kings would like that. Barnes isn't going to do that. Barnes gave, Barnes gave multiple seasons to Sacramento where the Kings were absolute hell. And Barnes was the one that had to come out to the podium almost every night and represent the team and speak to the media about it. It was Barnes and Fox, the two longest tenured Kings. So, I know things are much better for Harrison Barnes this season than they were any of the seasons before. But I'm saying, like, Harrison, Harrison, this is the last big bag that Harrison's probably going to get. So if Harrison wants to chase that bag, I don't blame him one uh, at, at all. I don't blame him at all. So now I'm going to open it up to free agency questions, scenarios from listeners. I know over the course of me talking, some of you have already posted questions and, and comments and things like that. Instead of me trying to scroll back and find them, if you just want to post them again, uh, I'll, I'll try and find them and answer as many um, as I can. Uh, Gilbert makes a great point. Yeah, Sabonis was in the MVP conversation. What are people talking about? Yeah, he literally received MVP votes. He wasn't ever going to win, but that doesn't matter. Like, Demonda Sabonis had one hell of a year. He had a bad playoff series. But that one bad playoff series does not mean you you, you kick the can down the road and say it's over, it's not going to work out. Now, if he consistently struggles in the playoffs over the next couple of seasons, then you have reason to be concerned. Even Kevin Herter, throughout, throughout his entire career, with the exception of like a game or two, he struggled in the playoffs. I'm not ready to give up on Kevin Herter for being a perfect fit in the Kings starting lineup. I'm not ready to give up on him because he had a horrible playoff series. 
If that pattern continues over the next couple of years when he's here in Sacramento, once his contract comes up, then the Kings have that decision to make. But I don't think with the core of this Kings team, I don't think Sacramento Kings fans should be making any drastic changes or drastic decisions to move on from a guy based off of that one playoff series when this Kings team with less than a calendar year together completely turned this franchise around. And what are they going to be able to do together now with a year under their belt, with another training camp, more time with Mike Brown and playoff experience? That is more exciting to me than possibly replacing Barnes or replacing Herter with big name X or big name Y. I also see Brandon Weaver saying Trey Lyles was awesome. You're damn right he was. I still think it's a top priority. Trey Lyles has said, said it's a top priority for him to return to Sacramento. I'm glad he said that. Maybe not the smartest move on his part negotiation tactic-wise because that maybe the Kings felt, okay, we could offer him less money because he wants to stay here. I have no idea. But Trey Lyles remaining a Sacramento King would be excellent, and all reports indicate that the Kings are going to bring him back, which would be phenomenal. Trey Lyles is perfect. And and one thing I've talked about earlier on the podcast about Trey Lyles is like, I've seen people say, well, if you have Sasha Vizenkov and you have Trey Lyles, isn't that redundant? Should you pick one over the other? No. And I sure as hell, I'm not saying bye-bye to Trey Lyles because I have Sasha Vizenkov coming over. No, I know what, I, I know what Trey Lyles can do at the NBA level. He's literally perfect in his role as a stretch or as a maybe sometimes small ball five, a four that can space the floor, knock down threes, not afraid to attack the basket. Rebounding is decent, although everybody's rebounding could be better. Trey Lyles is in the perfect role for the Sacramento Kings. I think the Kings absolutely should bring him back, and it's not going to be expensive. Uh, it's not going to be expensive to uh, to do so. Uh, Bebe says, Matt, I don't watch much Toronto, and I'm trying to gauge OG's potential impact. Is he better than Andrew Wiggins? No, not currently or not yet. He hasn't shown to be defensively, probably offensively. No, I mean, Andrew Wiggins is a champion and was instrumental in the Warriors winning a championship a couple of years ago. So no, I don't think OG is better than Andrew Wiggins. OJ G would absolutely make the Sacramento Kings better, but all indications point to that deal being basically dead. Like, I, I don't, I don't see, I was already very skeptical that the Kings could ever land OG because I think the conversation would have started and ended with Keegan Murray and that's it. And I've shared that multiple times before, but now that the Kings moved Rashawn Holmes and his money on draft night, and I think his money would have been needed in order to make that deal work. Nah, nah, I, I, I think, OG, I think we can honestly say bye-bye to the OG sweepstakes. I don't think the Raptors are going to trade him yet. I don't think they have to. Uh, and. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't see any possibility. Um, I don't see any possibility of, of OG coming to Sacramento at this point. I would love to be wrong and the Kings to get him without trading Keegan Murray or anything massive, but yeah, you're, you're, you're right. There still could be an OG sign and trade. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not too big on, well, I don't think it's going to happen. Basically, I, I think we should just kind of let that go. I see a lot of people talking about Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma is a big topic of debate. Uh, I went on ESPN 1320 last week, and they asked me, who would I rather have, Harrison Barnes or Kyle Kuzma? I said Harrison Barnes. And I've kind of gone back and forth with that over the last week, but I think I'm going to stick with it because I'm putting maybe too much stock into the fact that Harrison Barnes knows his role, can fill his role, and 
already understands Sacramento's system and what they're doing. And I think that seamless transition or the, 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 the not having to teach anybody or reintroduce anybody, especially a starter, to what the Kings are doing. It wouldn't be the end of the world if you brought Kyle Kuzma or someone else in and had to teach them their, that Harrison Barnes fourth or fifth offensive option in the starting lineup, space the floor, attack when necessary role, play defense role. It wouldn't be the end of the world to have to teach a guy that, but I think the Kings could hit the ground running much easier if Harrison were were coming back. But I understand Kyle Kuzma being appealing offensively. He definitely gives the Kings another boost. I don't know if they necessarily need that. It would have been nice in the playoffs for the Kings to have another guy that could create for himself and score. Kyle Kuzma was averaging, what, 21 points per game with the Washington Wizards. He would not average that in Sacramento because he's not going to get nearly the amount of shot attempts or opportunities in Sacramento that he got in Washington. That needs to be made perfectly clear. If Kyle Kuzma comes to Sacramento, he is at best a third option. At best. And that's a semi-nightly basis. He could be the third option on a night where Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray are struggling. Like, with the exception of the top one and two, which is Fox and Sabonis, Three through five offensively is fluid. Now, the Kings want Keegan Murray to get to a point where Keegan can be the third option every single night, the the third of a big three. And I think the Kings are expecting offensively Keegan to take another jump this year while continuing to improve uh, as a defender. But I think any one of the three other starters can be the third option offensively. So Kyle Kuzma will have nights, sure, where he scores over 20. He might have a night or two where he scores 30. And I actually did this exercise during the NBA draft because I was bored. Um, Kyle Kuzma has played nine games in Sacramento in his career. Over those nine games, he's averaging 19 points per game. He has three 30-plus point games in Sacramento. Kyle Kuzma has enjoyed playing in Sacramento. I felt like he's been auditioning to be a king for a while. But... Kyle Kuzma's role in Sacramento is not nearly going to be the same of what it was in Washington. So to expect the, to take the Kuzma numbers from Washington and put them in Sacramento, I don't think that's realistic uh, by any means, by any means at all. Uh, Kings next level says Kuzma is a size upgrade over Keegan or Barnes. Yes. To some, I mean, I actually don't know their measurements. If it is, it's not drastic. It's not that significant. But Kyle Kuzma has never been known for his defense. He would be expected to play defense, just like Mike Brown expects everybody on this roster to play defense. But Kyle Kuzma is not going to come in and suddenly make the Sacramento Kings a significantly better defensive team. He's not. He's just not. Like, that. that's the way... That, that's who Kyle Kuzma is. Oh, I forgot to do this. This is probably important. Uh, big shout out to sponsor of today's Locked on Kings podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked on. In fact, let me tell you a little bit more about Prize Picks right now, just so I don't get in trouble and get into uh, much of a, a rabbit hole. Prize Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports. Uh, Prize Picks is the way it works. You pick two to six players in when it's NBA season, for example. You pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can do this for the WNBA uh, right now. If you get those right, the, those picks right, you can win up to 25 times your money. It's no competing against other people, just you versus the projections available, so you don't have to worry about running into those sharks on those other uh, hobby sites. 
Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, not just the NBA and WNBA, but the NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, combat sports. They have it all for you. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. You deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, let's get back into the conversation here and let's see if I can find uh, more questions. Uh, well, here's a comment from Chuck Lee. Kings, stop wasting time. Kings players are getting old by the day. I mean, yeah, <laughs> everybody gets older. If you're worried about the collective age of the Sacramento Kings, you absolutely shouldn't be because the core of this team is right in their mid to barely upper 20s. I know Harrison Barnes is in his 30s, but it's it's okay to have a couple 30-plus-year-old players. It's okay to have veterans. You're not going golden girls like the Golden State Warriors are. Golden State Warriors' average age is like 65 at this point. You're not going that drastic. The majority of your core is in there that 24 to 27 age range. That's prime. Like, the Kings are... I'm not worried about the Kings' age and older players at all. Like, I, I I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about that. If the Kings want to go and sign a 35-year-old or 34-year-old, as long as they're not massively overpaying for him, cough, cough, Draymond Green, if that's what they want to do, that's fine with me. Like, there's no problem. I have no issue with add or adding some older veteran presence if they're a good basketball player and it can help the Sacramento Kings team win. I don't care. And uh, Ray makes a good point. The rest of the West is is way older. Absolutely. Like the Kings are in a perfect position. I, I I don't have any reason. I don't think anybody should worry about the um about the collective age of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Julius Callaway re-signed Terrence Davis. I don't think so. I think that was made perfectly clear by the Kings drafting Colby Jones on draft night. Now we're talking about two second round picks here. Colby Jones and Jalen Slauson, second round picks. So to have one of them, let alone both of them, turn into rotational players for the Sacramento Kings, that would be pretty rare, if we're being honest here. Although Colby Jones was often projected as a late first round talent. He slid because I think people believe he doesn't have like one elite skill. He's just good at a lot of different things. Either way, the Kings clearly wanted him and moved up to go and get him. I think Colby Jones slips into that Terrence Davis spot or someone that they've yet to sign slips into that Terrence Davis spot, which is a stay ready guard slash. I know Terrence kind of played the three, but stay ready guard who can space the floor, who can provide an offensive spark. Colby Jones theoretically helps with playmaking more than Terrence Davis does. Colby Jones also theoretically could be better defensively than Terrence Davis does. I think Terrence Davis's days as a Sacramento King are over. I think Terrence Davis should be looking to move on, not because he had a terrible experience here. I think Terrence, uh, I think Terrence did really, really well this season to handle the frustrations of a lot of playing time, no playing time, a lot of playing time, no playing time, and Mike Brown pulling him over and sometimes yelling at him in front of everybody in an arena of eighteen thousand people. He'd pull him over to the bench and yell at him for missing an assignment. But I think Terrence Davis did a phenomenal job responding to Mike Brown's coaching. And he talked about that multiple times over the course of the season. Um, 
I think it's in the best interest of Terrence Davis to, even if he doesn't get as much money as he wants, go to a place where he can actually have a consistent rotational role. I think he can be, I think he is a rotational player in the NBA, just not here in Sacramento. So to me, I think Terrence Davis is done. I wouldn't hate to see him back, but uh, I definitely don't expect to uh, to see him back. Uh, <laughs> I see a couple of people talking about Namias Keda. Uh, Keda for a backup. I don't hate it. I like the idea. Like I, I'm, I'm a fan of Namias Keda. And look, you know the Kings organization knows Namias Keda better than anybody else in the NBA, right? Nobody knows Keda better than the Kings. Keda had a really, really good year in the G League. Which, if you're looking at G League talent that's ready for the NBA, they're dominating the G League. There are times where his numbers could have been more dominant. I'm not happy that that Kata didn't average double-digit rebounds for being a seven-footer. And as big as Kata is, he probably should have averaged more. But Kata, in theory, does what this Kings team needs. Rebound, protect the rim, protect the paint. And he's got a decent touch offensively, too. I think Kata is a cheap, great third center option. Give him the Alex Len role. Why not? If you think he's ready, great. But if the Kings don't think he's ready and don't give him that role, they know better than all of us. So clearly they didn't see something there. But I, I mean, I think Kate is going to get picked up somewhere because watching him in person, plus he's an amazing guy, but watching him in person, both in, in Stockton, sometimes in Sacramento, although he usually played in garbage time or when the Kings threw him to the Wolves and played him against Joel Embiid, poor guy. Um, watching him in summer league, like Kate is, I think Kate is a good player. Maybe not a great NBA player. Maybe not a consistent rotation player. He's a good player. I think he deserves to be on a roster. I would not mind seeing him as Kata back. I certainly wouldn't mind seeing, um, Keon Ellis back. Although I expect Keon Ellis to get one of the two way contracts that the Sacramento Kings have. That's just me. So I don't know. Uh, Miss Mac says, how long can we keep Monk? Well, Monk is going into the final year of his deal. And I tweeted this out too, because I think NBA University, let me see if I can find it. NBA University put out a stat about Malik Monk and how good he was as a playmaker for the Sacramento Kings off the bench. Uh, yeah, they said Malik Monk's playmaking is one of the more underrated skill sets in the NBA. He threw an assist on 17.1% of his drives, which was number one in the entire league. 26 potential assists per 100 uh, passes, which is 97th percentile. Uses excellent bursts and decision-making to bend and carve up defenses. Malik Monk was the sixth man for the Kings. We all know that. But Malik Monk was the facilitator and floor general for the second unit. Even when De'Aaron Fox was out there with him, how many times when Fox and Monk were together were the Kings running De'Aaron Fox off the ball and letting Malik Monk create? Malik shocked me. I, I shouldn't say shocked. Malik surprised me and has really established himself quickly as a playmaker for the Kings and less of just that score that everybody labeled him and shooter that they labeled him to be when he was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. I think Malik Monk was, and he said this at some point, like, the Kings allowed him to be himself, play a little more free. And we saw the results of that as a playmaker. I think Malik Monk is going to be a day one or day two free agent next summer. If the Kings don't extend him, which I don't, with the new CBA and everything, I don't know the specifics of how they can extend him or not. I haven't read all 200 and whatever pages of it. I haven't, I don't care. <laughs> I'll find out later. But if Malik Monk goes into unrestricted free agency next offseason, I think it's going to be a top priority for the Kings and multiple teams to try and bring him back. Depending upon how the season goes, but we know his relationship with De'Aaron Fox. We know how expensive or expensive, important he is uh, to the to this Kings team, the culture, the locker room, the second unit, how great he was for the Kings, period, in the playoffs. 
at times the second or third best player on the Kings. Malik Monk is essential. And right now, too, he's a steal. Malik Monk's contract is a steal for the Sacramento Kings. He's uh, He signed a two-year, $19 million deal. He's in the second year of that deal, $9.9 million owed this year. That's a steal. Like Malik, Malik to me should be like a $15 million per year player, minimum, or around that. I don't know. Maybe I'm overvaluing him. If I'm the Kings, I'm 100% going into next summer with the with the belief and the desire to bring him back at this point in time. Context of a season could change things, but at this point, I think Malik is absolutely a part of the long-term plan for the Kings. And maybe that's one of the reasons why, in fact, I, it, I think it makes a lot of sense, why the Sacramento Kings would want to handle this DeMontis Sabonis extension now and just get it out of the way so that they don't have to worry about going into a summer where they have to pay Sabonis, pay Monk, and upgrade their roster. Because I think the expectation for everybody is that at the end of this season, regardless of what happens, at the end of this season, from year two to year three of this playoff renaissance, that's when the Kings really have to make that leap. That's when the Kings really have to push forward. They might, again, skip rungs of the ladder and make it this year. I think that's what we're all looking for. We would love that. But maybe not a realistic expectation, but hey, who knows? So I think I think Malik Monk is absolutely, absolutely a top priority for the Sacramento Kings and something that, the, the, uh, that we need to keep an eye on uh, going forward. Uh, Chop No Pork says Rui Hachimuri. Uh, Rui Hachimuri, will he, would he be a good pick? I assume you mean like if you got him in free agency. Um, I mean, he had a good game or two, a couple of good games in the playoffs. I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. If I'm not mistaken, he's a restricted free agent. Um, didn't the Warriors, sorry, didn't the Lakers just offer him and um, what's his name? It's, it's a shame that I, I'm blanking on his name because he was so good this year for them. Um, the white guy. <laughs> I should, God, it's 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 embarrassing that I'm I'm forgetting his name. But the Lakers just offered qualifying offers to them so that they could become restricted free agents. Austin Reeves, thank you, CV. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. Um, they're coming back. They're going to be Lakers going forward. Like I, I don't really think the the Kings should. Um, be too interested in that um from armon hey matt george what do you think of christian wood i think if he can buy into defense it would help open up a second unit or the second unit for guys like davion to have more space uh christian wood i think hmm, i don't know enough about christian wood if i'm being honest with you because i know he has tremendous upside and he has tremendous ability and can space the floor but why is Christian Wood not able to find a home for how talented he is? I, w- I would like to know more about who Christian Wood is as a, as a person and as a teammate and how much he would command on them. I think there are better options for the Kings. I think there are much better options than Christian Wood out there. Um, I think Christian Wood is going to command more for what the Kings would be willing to pay for his role. I don't view Christian Wood as a starting four for the Sacramento Kings going forward. So... I, I'm personally, I, I don't think Christian Wood should be high on the Kings list or high on anybody's radar, but he's a talent that's available, that's out there. A guy that I that I don't hear or see any people 
really talking about too much and probably because he's not going anywhere. Brooke Lopez would be so good for the Kings. Like so good. He's older. What is he like 34 years old or something like that? Like Brooke Lopez would be perfect. 35. In so many ways, he would be perfect for the Sacramento Kings. So many ways. Like, shot blocking, he was one of the best shot blockers in the league. Rebounding, could be better, but he's solid. Spaces the floor, so you can put him out there with DeMontis Sabonis, and he'll stay out of the way. You can put him in the corner. Put him on the wing. He will shoot the ball. That's what he he changed his com- entire career from being one of the best post players in the league during the, his early years with the, the Nets to now being a complete floor spacer who is largely responsible for some of the success that the Milwaukee Bucks have had with Giannis Antetokounmpo because their center can get the hell out of the way. Like Brooke Lopez would be ideal for the Sacramento Kings. I don't know if they have any chance of getting him. I don't know if they're they're even considering getting him. But if like if this were NBA 2K fantasy world and I was trying to build my team, like I would be calling Brooke, I would be trying to re-sign Harrison Barnes um, because the money's going to be less than like a Kyle Kuzma, in my opinion. And then I'm calling Brooke Lopez and I'm saying, hey man, like, do you want to help get this team to championship status? Like you've got the Milwaukee Bucks, like join us for the next two, three years. Come here and start for us for the next couple of years. And if it doesn't work, like down the road, okay, trade him away or whatever. Like cut your losses. He's older. But I think Brooke Lopez would be a fantastic. It would be the same way, like the same, like when Al Horford joined the Boston Celtics. Like, yes, it made sense. Even though how Al Horford was older, it made sense. And look how good Al Horford was for the Celtics uh, during their, their championship run that, of course, they lost in the finals to the Warriors. But Al Horford was really, really good. Really, really good. Um, so Brooke Lopez in Sacramento would be, I would love it personally. Uh, CB says Brooke has to apologize to trade a first. Yeah. I mean, I think they'd get over that pretty quickly, <laughs> but Brooke Lopez would be excellent. Excellent as a Sacramento King. Uh, let's see. I saw someone ask about, um, someone asked about, uh, where was it? I want to make sure I find it because it had it, Rashawn Holmes. Uh, Matt, do you think Holmes will play good in Dallas? I actually think he will. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the starter for them or not. I know they just drafted Derek Lively, who I believe is going to have a bench role to start. I think Rashawn Holmes is a good player. I think he's a good player. Like, I think, I think Rashawn Holmes did not play in Sacramento because he did not fit with what the Kings were trying to do. I don't necessarily fully understand why. He couldn't figure it out because he always looked a step slow in the Kings offense. I think Her- I mean, I think Rashawn Holmes is a at at least at the very least a rotational consistent big. Like Rashawn Holmes will play for the Dallas Mavericks and should put up good numbers for the Dallas Mavericks, unless those eye injuries and the off-court issues just completely snatch the talent away from Rashawn, which I don't think that's accurate at all. Like, Rashawn Holmes is a really, really solid player. Plus, he's a great human being. I know the stuff that he dealt with painted him in a light that's just not accurate at all. I've ha- I'm not Rashawn's friend. Rashawn doesn't know me personally. I-, I don't think Rashawn would ever go, hey, Matt, or recognize me in any kind of way. But all interactions that I've had with Rashawn Holmes, positive, even when he's frustrated, for the most part, smiley, unless the Kings lost a game. 
humble, takes ownership, comes from an excellent family. Rashawn is great. Like, I think Rashawn is going to do great in Dallas. I'm, I mean, I'm not glad to see him go, but I'm glad to see him get an opportunity elsewhere because he wasn't going to here. That was made perfectly clear. It just wasn't going to work here. So I wish Rashawn the absolute best. I think, I think he's going to be fine in Dallas. I think the Dallas Mavericks, I know I've talked to Dallas Mavericks fans. They've been interested in Rashawn for a couple of years, to be honest with you. Talk to Dallas Mavericks fans who have asked like, what's his deal and stuff like that. I'm not saying that he's going to be their starting center going forward. And he's going to help that team figure out what the hell they're doing. But if Rashawn Holmes is their starting center for the next year or two until Derek Lively can insert himself into that role, I think there's significantly worse options uh, for the uh, for the for the Kings to, or rather for the Mavericks to to go through. All right, let's see. Thank you guys for all the questions. Thank you for all the responses to your thoughts. Why don't you start dropping here? Drop in the chat. Let's let's start going over like your ideal scenarios, right? If it's Kyle Kuzma, if it's Draymond Green, which I don't think there are going to be too many of you with that. If it's Harrison Barnes, if it's whoever it may be, Brooke Lopez, like I just shared, like if what is your ideal? What do you want to see come three o'clock tomorrow when free agency opens? Because I have a feeling things are going to move really fast for Sacramento. Pat Basson says Jeremy Grant. For some reason, Jeremy Grant's name has been connected and floated around the Sacramento Kings for the last three off seasons. Not terrible. I think there are better options out there. I would take Harrison Barnes and Kyle Kuzma and Draymond Green over Jeremy Grant, but not terrible. Uh, Alejandrozzi, is that how you say it? Kyle Kuzma bag, so paying Kyle Kuzma and Bruce Brown, MLE. I don't think Bruce Brown is going anywhere. Like, I don't, I don't, I just, I can't see a scenario where Bruce Brown goes anywhere. I, I understand there's a lot of teams that are interested in him right now. Obviously, I don't think Bruce Brown is going anywhere, but if you could do that, like that, that would be incredible. Um, Aaron Polano says Kuzma, Lopez, Jeremy Grant, or OG. So you want one of the four of those guys? I mean, if you get one of the four of those guys, you're probably feeling pretty decent. OG's not going to happen. I'm pretty confident. Jeremy Grant, I don't think is really on the Kings radar, if I'm being completely honest with you, but I could be wrong. Kuzma and Lopez, I would be happy with either one of those two. Uh, Glow Up Cleaner says, trade Barnes, get Kuz, and try and go for Rui. Um, at this point, I think a, a Barnes sign and trade is pretty much not happening. Maybe, I mean, they're negotiating, so maybe it, it could change. I have heard nothing about a possible Barnes sign and trade. I think if the, if, the, if Harrison Barnes is moving on, I think the Kings are letting him walk because they have a replacement in mind. Like if they feel, okay, Kyle Kuzma is going to sign with the Sacramento Kings, for example. Like if they feel, okay, we've got Kyle Kuzma, he's ready to accept an offer. We have a money money figure in mind. They're just going to let Harrison walk and sign with the Indiana Pacers or whatever. If that's the case, then so be it. Francisco Garcia, can the Kings have both Barnes and Kuzma? No, they won't be able to afford both of them. They have 30-something million in cap space. They need to fill multiple positions. They, I mean, they got to think about paying guys like Trey Lyles. That number even went down a little bit with them bringing Kessler Edwards back, which was an easy team option for them to pick up. Like, I don't look at Kessler Edwards as someone who's going to suddenly get a significant role with the Kings. But, like, he's he's good, solid depth. I know Mike Brown likes him. I know the Kings like him. It was the only move they made at the trade deadline. So, if if Kessler Edwards is, is the guy uh, to take a couple million off the board, then I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. There's no way you're getting Kuzma and Barnes, and it really wouldn't make sense to. 
I know some people have said, I like the idea of Barnes off the bench. He's not coming off the bench here in Sacramento. It's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen. Harrison Barnes, if Harrison Barnes is back as a king, it's as a starter. And also, one thing to bring up, too, when I was talking about Barnes earlier, like if the Kings bring Harrison Barnes back, let's say they sign him to a three, four-year deal, whatever it is, they can trade Harrison down the road. And I had a conversation with Howard Beck about this on Locked on Kings uh, a couple weeks ago. Like, if Barnes comes back and the Kings want to make a big splash move, maybe at this upcoming trade, let's say the Kings are in the championship picture. Let's say the Kings are a top three seed again. They're projected to be an over 50 win team. And they're like, our time is now. If they're going to make a big swing for a star that suddenly becomes available because they become available every year and nobody sees it coming, the contract that they're most likely to move in a trade like that is Harrison Barnes plus draft picks. So rather than lose the asset for nothing, if you can't replace him right now, bring him back, run in the next season with him. You can trade him at any time unless you negotiate a no trade clause, which why in the hell would you with Harrison Barnes? That ain't going to happen. So you don't just have to, you don't just have to have Harrison stay the, 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 the entire contract like he did this past contract here uh, in Sacramento. Uh, I can see Brooks in Sacramento, Brooks Lopez, uh, Brooke Lopez. I'm, or are you talking Dylan Brooks? You know, I'll be honest. I go back and forth on this because Dylan Brooks, the player makes a lot of sense. Just like Draymond Green, the player Makes a lot. In fact, Dylan Brooks, the player, makes more sense than Draymond Green, the player, even if Draymond Green is the better player, or at least has impacted winning more. Because Dylan Brooks can at least space the floor. Draymond Green offensively, there'd be a lot of question marks. But defensively, we we know both of them are solid. If you're it, all the questions with Dylan Brooks are off the floor, locker room. I'm good. Like I, I'm personal. I've decided like if I'm good with the Kings not having anything to do with Dylan Brooks. And I think there are a lot of teams and a lot of fan bases that feel that way. If the Kings bring him in, they better feel pretty confident that that locker room can handle what he brings. And I'm not saying everything that Dylan Brooks brings personality-wise is a bad thing. That spark, that fire might be solid. I actually, until the Grizzlies became completely chaotic this year, I liked the Grizzlies. I thought like their little the little entrance that Dylan Brooks does, the dancing, the... um like the cockiness and arrogance of that team, how much they were villains. Like I really liked the Memphis Grizzlies until they became an absolute dumpster fire. So I think Dylan Brooks is not the reason for that dumpster fire, but he certainly didn't help put the flames out. He was at times gassing them up a little bit. I'm okay with, uh, I'm okay with no Dylan Brooks. I get what you're saying. Gilbert Dylan Brooks would be fun. Um, yeah, I, I, there would be some fun moments. Oscar Gomez, why hasn't anyone reached out to DeMarcus Cousins? Uh, probably because DeMarcus Cousins isn't good. That good. Anymore. Like, DeMarcus might feel like he's been blackballed from the league. I think DeMarcus Cousins is... I think DeMarcus Cousins is good enough to be on an NBA roster. But I think... What was very eye-opening to me is that Mike Malone got him back in Denver. 
and he couldn't even stick there. I don't know if that was Mike's decision. I don't know if that was the Nuggets' decision. Maybe they just couldn't afford him. Maybe he wanted more. I don't know the specifics of that situation, but to me, I thought, okay, DeMarcus Cousins going to Denver, that can be his home. Like, if that's his last home opportunity, like, that can be it. And he didn't stay there for very long. If if that's not going to work out with his guy as a head coach, I don't know. I don't know. So I personally am, am not a fan of a DeMarcus Cousins Sacramento reunion. I think those ship that ship has sailed. I think it would be fun to see DeMarcus back at a game, like as a fan, the same way like Harry Giles showed up at the NBA playoffs. Like, cool. But DeMarcus Cousins doesn't offer, I think, the Sacramento Kings that much. That being said, if it happened, okay. I would expect, if DeMarcus Cousins signs with the Sacramento Kings, let's put it this way. It's the same role that I would expect Namias Keita to be in. Now, that might seem absurd to say, you think Namias Keita and DeMarcus Cousins are on the same skill set? Not necessarily. But we're talking like that third center option. I'm playing Trey Lyles at the five before I'm playing DeMarcus Cousins because I trust that. I know that. Certainly playing, if I get Brooke Lopez or something like that, that's like not even a question. So it would be cool. Like it'd be a cool storyline to have DeMarcus Cousins back. But for the most part, eh, I'm, I'm all right. I'm personally not, not too thrilled uh, with that. I see a lot of people talking about Pascal Siakam. I think that, I mean, that deal, any deal with the Toronto Raptors for Siakam, for OG, I think it's dead because of the Rashawn Holmes deal. I think the Kings are clearly moving in another direction. I think the Raptors are moving in another direction. Clearly the Raptors won a lot or more than maybe the Kings or any team was comfortable given for the two of them. So I'm my, my, that ship has sailed for me. Any trade with the Toronto Raptors at this point in time, that ship has sailed. They could, things could change really, really quickly. We still got over 24 hours until the, the free agency itself. And again, not everything has to be decided at three o'clock tomorrow, but I don't, I don't expect anything to happen uh, with the, with the Kings and the Toronto Raptors. I see Mason Plumley, Eh, Jakob Pertl, eh. Who's saying, are you saying Jaron Jackson to answer a question? Or are you saying the Kings should go after Jaron Jackson? Because that ain't happening. Like Jaron Jackson is is firmly cemented uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, let's see. What else we got? I see, oh, people talking about Dwight Howard. Hey, I talked about Dwight Howard. I did an episode of, of talking about Dwight Howard. Um, and I kind of was game for it. Well, okay. Like Dwight, again, I put Dwight Howard in that third center role that would come in, be a, a veteran presence. Some people think he would destroy the locker room. Other people think he would add to the locker room. I, I'm, I'm, if that's the move, cool. Like that's that, to be honest with you, that's how I feel about the majority of the decisions that the Sacramento Kings are going to make this offseason. And I remember, I remember the trade deadline. And I remember telling you, and telling listeners multiple times at the trade deadline, I said, don't expect the Kings to make big splashes. Expect the Kings to essentially stick with what they got. I remember the Kings only making the Kessler Edwards move. And the reaction was, oh my God, the Kings are doomed. Like there's no chance they're staying in the third seed. They're falling out. They're going to fall apart. Then they went on that massive tear coming out of the all-star break and solidified that spot and even made a run at, at the two seed for, for a period of time. 
if the Sacramento Kings decide to essentially run this team back and the biggest free agency move they make this offseason is re-signing Harrison Barnes and extending DeMontis Sabonis, kind of like what I said earlier, it's the same thing. I, I don't expect massive fireworks and free agency from the Kings. And maybe that's also wishful thinking because I'm going to be on a cruise ship and I'm going to have internet access and, and connection. So I'm going to see what the Kings do. I'm not going to react to it right away, or at least I'm going to try to kind of unplug a little bit. And the Kings might make some big fireworks. And maybe Monty McNair has been trying to, I think clearly with the, the rumors that the Kings have been involved in and the sweepstakes that the Kings have been involved in, maybe they've tried. But my expectation is that it's going to be a solid, but not explosive free agency for the Sacramento Kings. A lot of that also comes with my preconceived bias or notion that Sacramento is not a free agency destination. So that's why I think bringing Harrison Barnes back, getting DeMontis Sabonis to extend like that would be a tremendous win um, for the Kings. I see a lot of people saying Chris Middleton. I think uh, I agree with Willie Bowen. Middleton is staying in Milwaukee. I was surprised that he turned down that $40 million player option. Clearly he did that because he wants longevity over money. Um, Or at least that's what I would assume he did that for. He's looking for a multi-year deal. I think Milwaukee will give it to him. Um, I don't know if the Kings can necessarily afford to sign him plus go after the players that they also want to go after and get. Uh, Sasha Vizenkov is, I'm hearing more and more likely to join the Kings and to come over. They've made him an offer that some would say he can't refuse. Essentially, they've quadrupled his salary to get him to come here to Sacramento. It's like an $8 million, a little over $8 million offer. It's slightly less than like the $8.3 or $8.4 million that Keegan Murray is making next year. I read that Vizenkov, if he returns to Olympiacos next year, he would make like 1.6 or 1.7 or $1.8 million, something like that. So from a to join the NBA, to join a playoff team in the NBA, a team with that's hoping hoping to become a championship team, to get a six plus million dollar pay raise to do that. I I mean, I think it's I think it's a foregone conclusion that Sasha's coming over. Now, I have realistic expectations with Sasha. To me, he's going to be a solid rotational player. There's concerns defensively. There's reasons to be really excited offensively, especially with the shooting and his floor spacing. Sasha is not going to be for the Sacramento Kings what he is in EuroLeague. He's not going to be for the Sacramento Kings the EuroLeague MVP. He's not going to be for the Sacramento Kings what he was for Olympiacos. He's not. The Kings don't expect him to be. The Kings are hoping that he can come in, help hit some big shots, be a solid rotational piece. I don't view any scenario where, or I shouldn't say any. I don't view very many scenarios where Sasha is a starter for the Kings. I don't. I see Sasha and Trey Lyles either battling for that backup four spot or both being so solid that one is playing the backup four and uh, uh, Trey Lyles is likely playing like a small ball five. I think that's the route that the Kings are going for. I think that's that's kind of that's the path that I see them on at this point, unless they were to go out and get like a Brook Lopez. And maybe that's why the Kings would not be interested in bringing in Brook because they would rather spend their money elsewhere, knowing they're going to have the depth of Lyles and Vizenkov to kind of handle that backup five four spot. So I'm not I'm not so super high on. Vizenkov is a massive game changer for the Kings. I'm very excited 
Trust me, I'm very excited to see him play. But I think we're quickly going to, I think Vizenkov is, is quickly going to become to us what Nemanja Bialica became. And it's two European players, so it's easy to make that connection. But what I mean by that is Bialica, Bialica started when he, I, he was okay as a starter, but in reality, if the Kings were a good team, Bielitsa's not a starter for that team. But Bielitsa was a decent player who spaced the floor, hit some big shots from time to time. Of course, had that, that famous quote in Houston, F it, we deserve this win, right? So I'm, I'm cool. Like that's, that's what I think Vizenkov is essentially going to be maybe a little bit better here in Sacramento. Alfredo, let's go get Costa Cuvos. I agree. I love Costa. I love Costa Cuvos. I'll, I'll tell a quick story here of, uh, about Costa before I, uh, I I wrap up. Costa, a couple things about Costa. He would tell you everything. Well, I shouldn't say everything. He was so much better of an interview off camera and off the record than he was on, and he knew it, and he embraced it. When we would walk into the locker rooms after games, he would be talking, having fun, chumming it up with everybody. Just a very, very extremely likable guy. Soon as the camera came on, he gave you the most basic cookie cutter answers because he wouldn't refuse to do anything that would get him into trouble. And he knew it too. He'd grin. He'd, he'd give you that little grin and, and he'd he'd always say things. So he'd tell you things and he'd say, don't write that down or, 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 or make sure that camera's not on. That's the kind of person that Costa was. I also had my favorite conversations with Costa Cuvas had nothing to do with basketball. He was super into cars. He was super into politics. He he just had the most random interests and he would read about them and watch them and talk about them all the time and talk about them on the plane. And I would have a lot of just random conversations with Costa about whatever. Just like at, at beginning of uh, De'Aaron's career, I don't think De'Aaron would really ever remember this. Um, but when De'Aaron was younger, De'Aaron and I actually had a handful of conversations about video games. And I love that because I'm a total video game nerd. I mean, you can see behind me, I've got Lord of the Rings stuff everywhere. I've got Dungeons and Dragons books. Um, I mean, this, my PC here is a complete gaming PC setup. I, I'm an Apex Legends nerd right now. I'm playing through like the Harry Potter game uh, and, and like Oblivion's my favorite game of all time. The Witcher, like I'm a super video game nerd guy. De'Aaron's not into those kind of games. De'Aaron is like a shooter, like a COD guy and has always been kind of into sports games and stuff like that. But De'Aaron and I would have good conversations about video games. Um, I guess that was before I, I pissed him off multiple times on Twitter. <laughs> but De'Aaron's a good dude. De'Aaron has uh, never had a bad interaction with De'Aaron Fox. Um, uh, I see Diablo, Diablo 4. Not yet, man. I, I, I'm thinking about getting into Diablo, but I know that as soon as I do, I open that gateway, I might not have a social life anymore and I need to get stuff done and I have a kid to raise. So, um, yeah, De'Aaron's great. Those, the conversations that you like working in media, one of the things I tell people is when you start to interact with pro athletes and players and things like that, the first thing you learn is that they're just people. They're just people that they're really, really good. They're really rich and they're damn good at what they do. And their egos sometimes can be skyrocketing, but they're just people. They have other interests outside of basketball. And we can, when you can talk to them about those interests as well as basketball, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, like Kevin Herter is a huge diehard New York Yankees fan. Kevin Herter will talk to you about the New York Yankees all day long. Much rather do that than talk about 
uh, basketball or the game or things like that. Although he's, I would love to have Kevin Herter on for an interview. I would love to do an interview with Kevin because he's extremely well spoken and does a, is a great radio and, and podcast interview period. All right, guys, I've been going for a little over an hour here. I know there are some questions and some things that I didn't get to. The chat's been popping off. I appreciate you guys so, so much. Again, the reason why I did this show is because I'm going on vacation. I leave tomorrow at 2.30 in the freaking morning. Um, Yeah, yikes. But I'm going on vacation for a week. This will be the longest break that I think I've ever taken from Locked On. And it comes at a time where the Kings could make some major fireworks happen in free agency. Again, I will have access to the internet. Things might break while we're driving down to uh, to 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 LA. If stump, I'll be honest with you. I really want to just disconnect. I really do. I want to unplug for a little bit, spend time with my family, spend time with some friends, uh, and try to respond to stuff as as little as possible. When I get back, I I'm going to hit whatever happens at the California Classic. Uh, some previewing summer league. And of course, whatever happens in free agency, I'm going to hit that hard and we'll get right back into the grind, right back into the flow, talk about everything. I'll probably do another live show. Um, but I, I just wanted to express my appreciation um, to all of you for what an incredible, incredible ride, incredible season, incredible year this has been. I've said thank you a million times. And you're probably sick of hearing it at this point, but this vacation is something that like you have to understand at ABC 10, we, we cover the NBA finals too. So my, my work schedule did not end and lighten up when the Kings uh, were eliminated. It stayed busy the entire playoffs all the way through. So this vacation is definitely needed for myself and my family. Um, and I appreciate your understanding. Everybody has been extremely encouraging. So I, I thank you for that. Thank you for joining me here on this live show. This is fun to do. I look forward to doing more of these uh, going forward. And enjoy the California Classic if you're going. I love the Cali Classic. It's a lot of fun. The Golden One Center is great, even though it's going to be hot as hell out there. Enjoy your 4th of July. Enjoy the free agency shenanigans and fireworks, whatever happens. Of course, I will be back uh, on Friday night. Definitely Saturday. I'll do a show definitely Saturday. I might be back Friday night to do a uh, a, a, a show when I get back um, from from vacation, especially if it was a crazy free agency period. So expect a show definitely Saturday, likely Friday, um, next Friday night. Um, and we'll see what happens. And I can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for joining me for this live show. The numbers were amazing. The comments were amazing. You're all so awesome. Uh, I appreciate you so, so much. I do not take it for uh, for granted, truly, your support. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I can't wait to see you when I uh, hopefully look refreshed and hopefully a little more tan. I desperately need it. Um, you guys are amazing. I appreciate you so much. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.